Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast with just Elias, me, myself, Elias Abelis here. Mike, my co-host, is uh, in Las Vegas or on his way to Las Vegas right now as we speak to cover Floyd Mayweather fighting Conor McGregor, a uh, local small-time Nevada fight you guys may not have heard of is happening this weekend. The man himself is going to be down there covering it. So it's just going to be me today here in studio, but we have a really great guest calling in today, Dwayne Finley. My editor, actually, where I work at uh, flowcombat.com, Dwayne has a new book out coming out in October. You can pre-order it now on Amazon. It's called In the Cold Distance, a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, memoir narrative. If you follow Dwayne's writing uh, at, at all, at the many publications he's worked at over the years, at Flow Combat Now, you know that he spends a lot of time with the fighters, with the coaches, with their families, not just doing editorials, he rarely does that, not just reporting the news, but spending a lot of time embedded at some of uh, the biggest camps in the world with some of the most exciting, most interesting people in all of mixed martial arts. He's done a lot of reporting over the years on that. He does a lot of road trips. He hits the road, covers events, covers camps. And um, if you're familiar with his work, you're familiar with those types of stories. Well, this memoir, In the Cold Distance, is a full-length book. I think it's just under 500 pages. And it covers his trips, his one uh, series of road trips across the country, across the United States, following all sorts of fighters that, that you've watched for years, more than likely, some of your favorite fighters at some of the biggest camps. And, and it's, it uses his life as a lens, a window, really, into, into, the, into the personal lives and, uh, of, of these fighters. So it's, it's a really cool thing. It, it's uh, available for pre-order now in the cold distance at Amazon. Dot com at least. It doesn't come out till October, I think late October, but you can pre-order your edition. I've pre-ordered too. Uh, I also was lucky enough to get an, an advanced digital copy and have read through it um, once already this past week. It's a really phenomenal, wonderful read. If you like, there's not a lot of this in the MMA space. I try to do long-form writing. Dwayne does a lot of, a few other really, um, really solid writers do the same thing. Chuck Mendehal does some really great things. Sean O'Shadi does some wonderful long-form narratives. Um, but it's, it's something that we haven't seen too much in the MMA world. But if you're, you know, you see it a lot in other literature worlds. It's kind of like uh, the term that, the, that, is, that was kind of coined in through someone like Hunter S. Thompson was gonzo journalism. It truly is journalism. You're in there. You're reporting facts. You're, 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 you're doing interviews. Uh, but you don't leave yourself out of the story. And again, you use your, your own life, your own experience uh, as a participant in events, uh, engage with certain folks of historical significance, use your, your interactions with them as, as a window to, to give your readers some, some more insight. Uh, and Dwayne is, is, is a really great practitioner of that, of that style, among the other types of things he does. We're really excited to, to have him on. I'm going to give Dwayne a call in just a couple minutes. Uh, and, and go in depth a little bit into the types of storytelling he likes to do, why he likes to do it. The book itself, In the Cold Distance, there's some really cool, there's some really cool particular stories that you'll read in there. Uh, they're just funny, that are interesting, that are illuminating, uh, sides of fighters that, you, that we watch fighting uh, that, that we never really see. And uh, it takes a real enterprising reporter to not just watch press conferences, not just to go to uh, events, but to, to head to people's homes, their camps, their, 
you know, hit the road with them, go eat with them, uh, go into the gym with them, and, and see what life is really like. And it's worth it. It's it's a really interesting it's a really interesting look. Uh, so we're gonna give we're probably gonna give a little bit of a break from what we've been doing a whole lot of lately, which is talking about Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor fighting. I've uh, got writing coming out at Flow Combat at uh, MixedMartialArts.com this week. We could read more of my take on that. Everything from the regulatory mess that I believe this this fight is uh, down to just analyzing the matchup itself, right? Because the fight's going to happen, whatever I think of it, and it's uh, it's between two great fighters of different styles. And uh, we've got a piece with Jason Perillo coming out of Flow Combat uh, later tonight or early tomorrow morning. I'm not sure yet. It's up to Dwayne Finley, um, and uh, it's talking with Jason Perillo, phenomenal boxing coach to a, a lot of pro boxers and a lot of um, a lot of MMA champions, Michael Bisping. Chris Cyborg, Vitor Belfort has worked with, BJ Penn worked with extensively as a champion, Tito Ortiz as well. And Jason looks at being a, being a real boxing expert and a boxing expert that teaches boxing to MMA fighters, he, he takes a look at Conor McGregor's chances against Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather. That'll be coming up soon. So there's plenty of places for that. Today we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive into uh, In the Cold Distance with Dwayne Finley. We'll see who's on the line. Now we'll get him on shortly. Him a ring. What's going on, my brother? Dwayne, it's Elias, man. You're on live with the Extra Rounds podcast. Thanks so much for taking time. Oh, any time for you, big handsome. <laughs> Such a flatterer, brother. So, <laughs> just finished up yesterday. Your new book, it's not, it's not even out, but as I was just telling our listeners and our viewers, it's available for pre-order uh, in the cold distance. I ordered my two copies already. Uh, I was lucky enough, uh, I've, uh, I, I know the, uh, the boss man himself, Dwayne, so you sent me a digital copy. Thank you for that. Finished it up. I really, really enjoyed it. And I was just trying to give a little, a little background in my own words, and I want to turn it over to you in a moment. Uh, a little bit about the type of storyteller you are. A little bit about what type of project this is. You're, you're very much and have been for years uh, an MMA beat writer. You know, when news comes up, you write about it. John Jones, you know, reportedly gets flagged last night. You guys, are, you're writing about it over at Float Combat. You go to events, you cover the events, you do all that for sure. But you also get embedded and have for a long time and done these longer form narratives. And anyone who's familiar, who follows you at the different places you've been and, and recently over the last year um, or so at, at Float Combat, is gotten a little familiar with you getting on the road and going to uh, fighters' uh, camps, their homes, with their families, and doing that type of stuff. And this, this, uh, this, this book, this memoir in uh, in the cold distance, it seems to be using your life, your in, your interaction, um, your experience uh, experiences at these events with these fighters that we all watch on television as a window into their real day to day lives. What, what motivated you to en- embark on the project, and, and how would you broadly characterize the project itself, th- this book? Well, I'll tell you what. The, the, the project's a little bit of a, a mystery in itself because there was no book. Like, this wasn't, this wasn't how I intended it to work out. Like, I, I want to be clear about that. I didn't set out to do this to write a book. 
but I did. I set out out of necessity because you know I think the the thing that people who read our work and who follow the sport don't realize is it's a savage business. I mean, shops close up. I mean, uh, you know, jobs are pretty fickle. You know, because things get reliant on other things that people don't see. Traffic, those things, the business side of it, yada yada. So I just had to do something that that made me stand out, and and I couldn't think of anything. I'm like, man, what is the thing that nobody's doing? What is the thing that I do better than most, or can do better than most? And just to kind of play to my strengths, and then I realized, man, I've I've been talking to these guys for years, but I don't really feel like their their stories are represented. People see them fight, they turn on their TV, they're like, oh. That was a heck of a fight for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then it's over. Mm. But it's not like that. You know it's not like that, Elias. You mm. spent a lot of time with these guys, too. So I wanted to get out there and do it. And the only way to do it, it wasn't going to happen over a 10-minute interview over a phone. It just wasn't. You weren't going to get the gist of it, the essence. So I said, screw it. I'm like, man, these guys have given me their time for years when they're cutting weight, when they're getting ready to you know, fist fight in two days. That's not a natural thing for them. That's not who they are. They're in battle mode. They're ready. What drives them all? Like, there's little fascinating things I've seen. Like, for instance, I, you know, I've done extensive work with Carlos Condit and Frank Yeager. Both guys, I saw something change in them. Like, when you see them with their families or you see them with their friends, they're, they're hella, hella nice guys. They're, they're amazing fathers and family men. When they get inside that cage, something changes. Something's different. Okay. Well, that fascinates me. And when I'm fascinated... Things get weird because I don't have I don't have boundaries that other people have. Like other people box themselves in in this business. Like okay, I gotta be I gotta cover the beat. I gotta do this this this. Yes, I've done that, but I've never been defined by that. I'm a storyteller, not a journalist, and, I, and I've gone. You know, I've said this for years because I'm just not what everybody else is in a lot of ways. So I launched out. I figured, hey, let's do this. So the interesting part is I pitched it to the. And since you read the book, you know some some. Uh, some names have been changed for legal reasons. <laughs> but um, I pitched it. I was working on a big sports site. I pitched this idea. I'm like, look, I can go. Give me the resources. I have all the connections, blah, blah, blah. They shot it down. They're like, no. They're like, that doesn't sound interesting at all. Like, we, <laughs> that doesn't sound like we want to do this at all. So I said, you know what? I've never been one word. No bothers me. You know what I mean? So I said, okay, I'm going to prove my point. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do this. And the funny thing is, is parts of that company – did believe in it but they just said okay look well we got to prove this first we got to prove that this works so we went out then the funny thing is dude like uh you know if anybody who lives in the midwest knows and like because this, this book takes place is from 2014 to 2015 and anybody who lived in the midwest knows that the, that polar vortex came through mm-hmm. and it, it, it hit right when i was supposed to leave so i was like man if there's a sign from the universe that, that i'm not supposed to do this or maybe that's how a normal person would take it. I'm like, okay, cool. Nothing worth doing. You know, it comes easy. So this is that challenge that tells me I'm on the right path. And I got through it. And, and the funny thing is, is it, it, was a, it was a crazy year. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and if you want me to talk about how, how the book came about, I'll tell you, because, because that, that's, a whole, that's kind of a whole different story. Sure. You want me to tell you that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, so... This road trip and the road trip went in three three stages and and it, and it played out all through 2015 or 2014 into, uh, at the beginning of 15 and um, you know I, and I I put that all up there and then I moved on from that company and uh, I was doing other things 
And then I got approached by somebody who, by uh, a publisher or by agent who'd seen, you know, the road trip play out. And they were like, hey, look, um, you know, we'd like you to write this, uh, you know, we want a book on this road trip. And I was not interested at all. I said, man, all of the interviews are kind of up there and yada, yada. And then so I kind of took it and I took it to a, 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 a friend and a mentor that you and I both know and share is Thomas Trebacy. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, Tom, you know, that th- this sounds like something but i don't know what it is and tom said like you know the wisdom of that guy he's like look man he goes you know what you went through he's like tell that story mm-hmm. he goes because people don't know that story and he said you know i know you're not one to put yourself front and center but let it play off through your eyes and then so when you know i've been kind of fascinated with uh you know the hunter s thompson gonzo method for a long time and uh and the kind of the tenet of that method is you know, putting the writer in the story, but as a conduit, as the fact that I feel like enough people uh, relate to my character, you know, they, they, they kind of know who I am, and then I put myself in that story, and then they kind of live it through my eyes. So, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't get in the way of the narrative, it just supports the narrative, and I think that's the thing people mess up, why, why first person such a, you know, a, hmm. um, uh, such a dangerous method to write in because people can't get out of their own way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, and I think I did. Um, at least that's what the early kind of reviews come in are saying, you know, that, that I, I did get out of my way and not to tell the story. Um, but then somewhere along the line, it flat out becomes the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went through a ton of, I went through a ton of things, uh, that year. And since you've read the book now, you know, um, and, uh, it, 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 the book starts and ends in two polar opposite places, you know, and uh, um, it was it was a crazy thing. But I always consider myself such an honest and uh, an honest person. I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Like people, I see people say sometimes I'm like, oh man, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Dwayne, you know, and and that's nice, and that, that makes me feel good because I treat everybody well. Um, but at the same time, I'm aiming for something else, brother. Like. Hmm. Like I, I'm not downplaying anybody else, but you know me, man. You, you and I are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> where we're not aiming where everybody else is aiming. Right. Like I don't want what everybody else wants. I want I, I wanted to go all time on something, right? Mm-hmm. And and I feel like when I even though I turned this book down originally, I uh, I I felt like I was like this is this is my chance to do it. So it's funny because I finished it. I knocked it out in three weeks, and it's crazy things that, you know, like, I think it's what, like 480-some pages digitally? Yeah, 49. Yeah, I knocked that out in, like, three weeks, <laughs> and uh, on top of my job, I'm a little bit of a, a psycho like that, but, and then, so it went away. It, like, went, I said to the publisher, great. Well, then, all of a sudden, you know how small publishers get, man, I got, like, a call, like, hey, look, just, you know, financing, it isn't you, it isn't you, it's something else, and I'm like, okay, well, this just isn't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's how it's supposed to work, all right? And I kind of forgot about it. And then, you know, from, the, from like, the shadows, because I get this call, like, hey, man, I know you don't know me personally, but, I, you know, I, I know you, and uh, and, and, and got, I got to kind of talking, and I'm like, man, I recognize that voice. Like, where, where do I know this voice from? And it's straight up Tommy Toll. You know, like, the, uh, the guy, you know, Tommy Toll, the guy who does Tommy Toll. Hit me up, and he's like, "Man, I tell you what." He goes, "I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I do publishing. I have a publishing company as well. Uh, it's kind of something I've done uh, on the download, and and I've done other projects, and that's how I know this publisher. And then your name came up, so I, I'm interested in picking it up. If you're interested in rock and roll with me, I'm interested in rock and roll with you. I've read the source material, I believe in it, and I was like, "Oh man, 
You know, like it was a different kind of call because it was like, man, it was, it was that that belief that you have in yourself mm. that few other people ever voiced to you in the same way. You know, like uh, I'm passionate about what I do, but I understand I'm kind of off the wall. So when I had somebody talking back to me that read the work that was that believed in it as much as I believed in writing it. Then we started this journey, and you know, uh, and it's been awesome, man. You know, the, the first tra- the trailer's out. Uh, the the first Tommy Toehold cartoon is out, and I think that's such a unique way to to play it. But yeah, I'm rambling. No, that's <laughs> that's that's really cool because that's actually so. You know, I've talked a lot, but we hadn't really talked about how the book came to be, and that's so. It's for me. It's it's it is actually personally very uh, very interesting. I um. So, so I want to go into, so there's a part, there's, there's a part, I think it's uh, about midway through the book, you write, you can find out a lot about a place by watching how it acts when things slow down. I think that's, I think that's very true, I think it's a beautiful uh, turn of phrase, and you say people are, are no different in, in, in that regard. You, I feel, Dwayne, you know, you, you, among other things, you were there, for, there's exciting stories, there's like funny stories in there with some famous fighters and their families, but there's moments that you're with them, and this is what's really notable to me, when things have slowed down. You're with them when things go a little bit slower, whether it's right after training, catching their breath, whether it's uh, eating dinner with their family. You're with these fighters that we watch on television, have for years, and we watch them moving fast, looking angry, looking tough, looking mean. You're with them when things have slowed down, among any other moments. That to me was is 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 where a lot of the gold in, in this type of enterprising uh, reporting is. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to hear what your thoughts were about just being there for those types of moments throughout your career. You've done this a lot. You're there in in in, uh, in quiet moments with these folks, and then also just for the listeners, the, the, you know, the folks that um, maybe uh, are, are newer to your to your work. Who are some of the names that they might recognize that you got to spend time with and the stories that ended up becoming a part of this book? Man, I'll tell you what. The thing, I think the thing that I figured out is the most important, uh, the most important tool in, in, in storytelling is listening. And listening and watching. Like, I think so many people want to be accepted in a way that they kind of miss the the finer nuances of things, right? That there's all this uh, energy. Well, that's what's important. You, there is that. You get there when you meet somebody and you're like, yeah, then they're watching this stuff and then you're talking and yeah, yeah. But when you spend like an extended amount of time with somebody, then you can see it. That's what, And that's what I meant by when things slow down, you kind of see the, the real fabric, you know? And, uh, you know, uh, Carlos Condit's one, I, I know I already mentioned him, but I spent six weeks with him, you know, and uh, and that was fascinating. Uh, for this book, I mean, Nick Diaz has got to be one of my, one of my favorite uh, little uh, asides in that in the book because that was fascinating to see how that played out. And um, the uh, and, and so so kind of ex- to extrapolate on that, you know, we put that cartoon out and uh, you know talk about how I met Nick and how this weird thing. But the real kind of gold in all that was when we went to the, you know, the Thai restaurant, and it was just me and him, and there's a couple of people at the table, we were sitting next to each other, and he, he like, showed me how to use chopsticks the right way. And then he explains the menu to me. And then wanted to make sure that, my, that I ordered the right thing, that I enjoyed the right thing, that 
our co- that his company was pleasant. You know what I mean? And that's somebody who doesn't have to do that. And that's somebody mm-hmm. who's notoriously not that way, or that's what <laughs> stigmatized as. Um, but yeah, just watching these guys. I mean, you know, with John Jones and, and these things. That's that's recently, you know, and and, and that and I said before that guy's the hardest read in the game, but it's it's done that way on purpose. You know, he's built himself up. So you you try to sit there and you think, okay, that you can find the gist of somebody. You know, you're with them, Jim and Dan Miller, and you're like, man, those guys. Those guys are are easy, you know. Those guys are easy, natural, tough as hell. But that's where you can see their kind of blue collar roots. That kind of shines through. And then you see these guys like you know the Scrap Pack, who are a little guarded and a little different. You know how it is. You spend time with those guys. Like you, you. There's some people that are just naturally guarded in this business, but they're guarded for a reason. So to get through those walls, I'll say this. Here's one that might throw people off. Donald Cerrone, you know, Donald plays this. You know, he he is that guy. Like you see him. The cowboy, that's who he is. But I will tell you this: this dude is the most genuine, loving dude. If he, if you're, if he cares about you, he will go to uh, extraordinary lengths to make sure that you ha- you have what you want. Like, uh, you know, I spent like when I come to Albuquerque, I would stay at the ranch with him, and just you know, it wasn't like you know, I wasn't really working. You know, I was just there while I was in between working with Condit. And I got to see a side of, of something, you know. I got to see something special. I got to see who these people really are. So uh, that's near and dear to my heart. Mm. And I think that's something that, you know, I I protect. I didn't. Say, I don't want to say protected, but something I did. I definitely didn't mishandle when I wrote this book. Mm. Yeah, it just there's such a there's such a richer experience for for the writer for the reporter as it were in this case, when you go and meet people where they are. You can mean that, I can mean that in a metaphorical sense, I can mean that in a literal sense. You did both, uh, Dwayne. You met people where they are. You met, you know, like you spoke about Nick Diaz and, and, and stuff. And yeah, I mean, Nick, Nick and Nate Diaz are notorious for missing appointments uh, with reporters, for not showing up, for all sorts of stuff like that, for, you know, acting surly out in front of the cameras. And, and I'm certainly not saying that's not part of who they are, but in my very limited experience with Nate Diaz, I, f- I found him to be one of the most immediately accessible people that I've ever been around in the fight game, and for whatever it's worth, I've been doing it since 2005. I didn't know him. I didn't have a history with him. Uh, I didn't arrange an interview with him. I just went to his gym and trained with a bunch of guys for two hours. He showed up. He saw me. Then we, you know, we we started training and immediately accessible. Really nice. Really friendly. You know, you had similar experience with Nick. When uh, Gilbert Melendez, uh, someone you've done tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous amount and tremendous quality of work uh, on uh, and with uh, over the years. Um, when he was in studio here about a, over a year ago, um, he talked about those guys and, and talked about you know. Yeah, you know, we, you probably, speaking to me, you probably got that, you know, good stuff from them, which ended up making for fun stories because you met them where they are. It's, it's a really much richer experience for the writer, but it's, again, it's, it's a, it makes for a better experience for the reader, for the fan. Like, everyone nowadays, Dwayne, right, we can all watch pressers at the same time. You don't have to be a media member to watch a press conference because it's broadcasted on YouTube and Facebook. We all do that. We all watch the same commercials. We all watch the same uh, fights. Now we even all watch the same, you know, pre and post interviews uh, in the locker room, all that type of stuff, just like other sports. That's something that everyone already gets. So to me, I never understood 
why how how a rider can go to a fight week, get sent, be so lucky that they're sent to an event by by someone who's paying a company who's paying them to do it, or or you know get a, get an assignment to go you know go somewhere and just not like go the extra mile. Like I don't get stink sticking around in your hotel room all night, all weekend long when you're at a fight, and instead of going around milling in, around the casino and and seeing who you could find, it's it seems like one of the criticisms of Gonzo journalism is always like, oh, it's it's about the writer, it's about the writer. I, I really feel like it makes for a, a better and really the only real interesting experience left for the reader if we can get them into those moments. The only way to get the readers into those moments is by getting ourselves to those people. I mean, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but do you feel like that's really the only real way to, to service your readers in an interesting way is to is to get your ass to the people and meet them where they're at instead of saying, you got to come to me. You got to come and, and sit behind this blue screen and sit in this chair and answer the same questions everyone else has asked you for a long time. Oh, hell yeah, man. You're, you, you're speaking my language. I mean, that's like, the, that's the gospel right there, right? That, that, look, I'm going to say this and it's going to piss a lot of people off, but people are lazy right now. And mm. I'm not saying the fans. Fans are good. You show up, you get what you're given. Okay. You you look and get what you're given. People who do this job are lazy. Like they they, they that's what they do. Mm-hmm. You just described ninety percent of this workforce. Okay, man, yeah. Another fight week, go there, ask the same questions that they're being asked so I can write the same piece on Demetrius Johnson that the last five sites are doing. Man, come on. Why would you want to do that? So you know, it's kind of weird because I kind of made my name a little different. Like if I when I go to when I go to events, I'm, I don't go to those things. Yeah, right, I don't right. go to the media things because I'm off having lunch somewhere yeah. or I'm off hunting somebody down because if I'm going to go there, like I remember back, you know, back 2011, 2012, uh, before this road trip, but like you know, the the outlet I was working for would be like, okay, well are these events worth going to? And I'm like, nah, man, there's only going to be like three people here and mm. nobody else goes with that person. You got to go when there's like a major camp or, you know, somebody else, you got to kind of plot out where things will be. So what people don't understand and what what is dying right now in MMA is access. So mm-hmm. the guys like us who've done things a long time, uh, Damon Martin's another guy, mutual friend of both of ours, mm-hmm. um, you know, Guys have access to do it. Uh, Ariel uses it well, you know, uh, to do his show at uh, MMA Hour, and uh, and that's great. But outside of that, there's there's just it's just not there. So um, and that's why it's it, it, it's networking, building those relationships. Like okay, and like I remember, and I know John Jones is a major point of contention right now. But like for instance, when I went out to do this thing with John Jones. And he kind of, you know, and he just kind of like blew me off where he kind of got a little abrasive with me because he's like, oh, you know, he thought I was, you know, he thought there's no way I'll walk away from this interview, this, this attempt to get an interview. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, screw that, man. Like, I'm not here for you to waste my time, you know, or waste your time. If you feel that way about me, then, then that's great. So I left. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, six hours later, I get a text like, all right, cool. Like, it was kind of a test kind of thing. So. You know, I think metaphorically or, or literally and figuratively, to put yourself out there is to learn. Like, there's no there's no growth in a comfort zone, and I know that's mm. like all over. You know, uh, people use that on their like Facebook as, oh, okay, that's how I'm going to live my life. But I truly live that way to a point in this book where you'll see that the, the discomfort was more than I could handle. Mm. You know, that I put myself in a place physically and mentally that I couldn't do it. I mean. 
my family now granted you know I, I, I you, you know I have a lovely wife and, and beautiful kids but I'm sitting there in the middle of the thing going man you know am I a fool for putting myself out there am I a fool for leaving you guys am I a fool for using this money am I a fool for and, and, and these people believe in you so much. Like, no, you know, Dad, we, we know what you're doing. We know we know what you got to do, and that and that's great. But then to come home, and, like, no picture ever materialized at the same time. It comes in pieces, right? And then, and I fell apart. Hmm. You know, I, I, I absolutely fell apart because I was, I spent a year on the road. I'd done it against doctor's orders because I, you know, I got, uh, you know, kind of fell into backstory in 2012. I got in a uh, uh, kind of bad car accident and messed my back all up. And, and my back would kind of go on these things. I was getting these spinal treatments and it was enough to go and it was enough to be fine for a while, but then it would go and, and it would be miserable because anybody who's had lower back issues, they know mm. it sucks. But then another issue happened on top of it because once you get going, once you get rolling on these things, you don't, you know that you can't slow down. Like if I stop, if I draw, if I stop with all these plates I'm spinning, I'm never going to get mm. to where the kitchen where I need to go because that's where, that's where this thing ends. And, uh, and yeah, I made some, I made some big mistakes, you know? And you're honest and, and it's, it's in, you had a lot of candor in discussing a lot of these struggles and that's, that's, uh, you know, that's an interesting thing because in a lot of ways it seems like this year on the road, Dwayne, contri- in, 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 in an obvious ways, uh, you know, contributed to some pain, contributed to private struggles, contributed to fights that you had to fight um, yourself. Like it didn't make life easier from a physical pain standpoint. Then you got to figure out how I manage this pain. And then you figure out, how do I manage the fact that I'm like not managing, you know, that well and, and all this type of stuff that you write about in the book and, and the, the struggles you go through in a sense, it made stuff worse. Now the way the book ends, and I don't want to spoil it, but there's some really good poetry there at, at, at the end of it. Um, did being around so many fighters who, and getting in those, those private moments, seeing how they live their life, seeing, Behind, pulling the curtain back and, and seeing these fighting lives. And even though you're not a professional prize fighter, did seeing all this fighting life, ultimately, even though it initially maybe contributed to the struggles with, with, with pain, with substances, did it ultimately inspire you or give you some type of, of model or, or give you at least some type of mirror image where you saw yourself as a fighter as well, and you saw that these fights can be fought and, and can be won, even if it's you have to fight them anew every single day. Oh man, like, like look, I know this. I've always, you know, you've always been a good read, but you, you just, you know, I, you got, you got the gist of it, man. The, the heart of it is like, look, substance abuse is a tricky thing, right? Um, and and here's the thing is that uh, you you have to realize that it's happening. You know, because like I said, I didn't at the time. I mean, I knew, I knew I was kind of dancing on a line there, but I was like, oh, I'm all right. You know, uh, painkillers are a tricky thing, and um, and I knew that was a hard, a hard situation. But you know, my past, man, it just, it, I, I just, I have, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a rocky thing hmm. that got straightened out a, a long, long time ago, and then it came back. So what you're seeing in this book 
Because, you know, I, I felt like the best way, like, you know, I, my wife's a saint, and I say this all the time, and I, and I allude to it. Anybody who hears me talk about her is, I'm like, man, I am a mf to deal with. You know what I mean? I, I'm, t- I'm, I, I'm, I fall apart. I'm crazy. I'm sporadic. Like, what this book gave me a chance to do was like, okay, look, I'm going to be honest about a lot of things. So I'm going to talk about something that nobody else would probably put out there. But by putting it out there, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not exposing myself in a sense. I'm saying, look, that that's the gist of it, that somewhere along the lines in that, I had to learn how to fight, right? Like, I had to learn, not physically, I had to figure out how to get my legs under me when I was tired, when I was hurt, when I didn't have shit left, you know, to, to give. I had to fight back. So I look at, at these situations, and I'm like, man... This is the thing that I've cumulatively learned from these people. Like, it's not about what they've done or who they or who, exactly who they are. Little bits of their character, but that's the same tie that binds all of them. So, you know, um, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, so there's there's a couple parts in the book where it gets pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty uh, real, pretty raw, you know, and, uh, and and it sucked. It sucked writing those those parts but you know if anything it shows man like i the thing is is it's it's all avatars now right it's what you post on facebook it's hmm. what you post on instagram it's what you post on twitter and and in real life is perception of what is on social media but what we forget is sometimes there's real people there's dreams there's struggles all of that's in there and that's a big part of my story you know i mean um you know uh those are old problems, you know, uh, life's better now, you know, but, um, but it's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, that, and that's the thing, man, is, you know, uh, and I put, look, look at this. And I, and I, I hate to say this publicly, but you think there's a reason that I get John Jones? <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. Exactly. You know, I get troubled. I get flawed. I get the Diaz is like, I get people. And mm. the thing is, I think these, these fighters accepted me a long time ago because I'm not like everybody else, really, man. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't come from anything. Um, uh, I didn't go to college, you know. I just, I just didn't have the, the means. Mm-hmm. But I got, but I got hustled for days. <laughs> and um, and I'll tell you what, if to, talk, to kind of make a lighthearted sense of it, if you are in those situations and that is the reality and. You have hustle, and your and your 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 streetwise is all get out. You can maintain those things no matter where you are. Mm. You know what I mean. And so, in a bad way, I learned that about myself. Mm. That I'm at when I'm at my worst. I'm a I'm a huge hindrance to myself. So um, so then so there's a big part of the book where, you know, I think and you'll agree with this because you you know what I, you'll know what part I'm talking about. Mm. I think that when it stops. I wanted it to stop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I was completely run out um, and, and kind of given all I had to give to these to to this effort. And um, and then yeah, so then uh, having to revisit that, you know, um, to write it after certain things, those things have been settled, and you know, uh, you know, um, and life got better, and, and life got kind of in place. Then okay. So, so anybody who can kind of put the timeline together, 
from 2000, who's followed my work from 2014 mm-hmm. to 2015, and then 15's okay, and then 16, and then all of a sudden flow combat starts, and that's great. And that's like, that's the reward. Mm. You know, that's the reward for getting it all figured out, yeah. you know? And, it, and, and it's weird because I think a lot of people will kind of read this and be like, or hear this interview to be like, okay, you know, some bad, some bad shit happened to him, or, or he kind of fell out of line substance wise. It, 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 it's, uh, I think it's the reason I the reason I included all of that one because like I said it's just that's real life and I'm honest and two it's gonna help somebody right. man like you know you know what I mean I think somebody will find it like you know because I think a lot of people struggle struggle silently or they do whatever and and I'm not trying to be a uh, advocate for you know for sobriety or for um, you know for for you know any kind of program I'm saying that. You can turn it around. It doesn't matter what you're up against. Is you can turn it around, and that's like kind of the metaphor at the kind of towards the end. Is mm. that you see these things, and you see like, oh man, Frankie Edgar was getting trashed by Gray Maynard. Yes. Trashed. Easy to fold up shop. He didn't. Why not? Because he believed in himself so much that he was going to fight until he didn't have anything left. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. So I got this, uh, you know, uh, tattoo on my hand and. Uh, and you hear this word thrown around uh, a lot, you know, hope. You know, hope is uh, hope's all I need. If I have hope, I, 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 can, uh, I, I can always get on my feet. So I look now and I look around and that everything that, 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 that's going to happen with this book, it's already happening and, uh, you know, and slow combat. And it's like, man, you know, I had to go through all of that shit to get this. And you know what? This is worth it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this, I look around, and I see my you know, my family's happy, and my kids are my kids are amazing and and doing great things. And then it's like, man. But then, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I you know, I, I, it's kind of a tr- tricky subject to talk about. Sure. You know? Well, you know, it's it's you just talked about an example. You said, hey, you know, we could watch like Frankie Edgar. Getting getting beat down by Gray Maynard, but he, he you know he stayed in the fight. He believed in himself, and he said, "I'm just going to keep fighting until I have nothing left." That's when sport has more meaning. When it's not just titillation, but when we look at it as an example of what can what a human can do, what a, what the human spirit can help push the body through. Um, that's when it's remarkable, and we can use it as a metaphor for life. And then. When we can look at these folks and admire them, not for superficial reasons, but understanding our shared humanity and say, hey, we've all got a fight, right? We've all have a fight in our life, or two, or three, or a dozen, but we've all got something. Maybe it's not with gloves on, but we all have fights in our lives. And you realize it about yourself, that you are a fighter. Like Just because we're talking about it, there's a beautiful uh, uh, part near the end of your book, it's uh, in, in your... It's, what you're talking about. You're talking about these fighters in their lives and in their world, you say, quote, every step forward is earned in their world. And that was a reality I'd come to see with clarity. Every accomplishment comes from being willing to go beyond the limits that previously existed. Then you go on. That is what the fighting life is all about. And it is the only thing I'd ever known. End quote. We've all got fights, right, Dwayne? And, and, and we could see, you see what fighters are going through. It helps you understand your own self better, it sounds like, and it also helps you realize like what you can do and how you can go forward. And, and it's important to talk about that 
It's the only type of interesting stuff there is really to talk about. Uh, more important than glove size or you know any uh, gossip or things of that nature. Uh, and I think it's what resonates uh, most with with readers as well, and it can and does actually help people. On that note, we have a good uh, on the Facebook live feed here the the video. We've got uh, Nicole Bosco. She writes, Dwayne is out there doing it and not just talking or writing about it. Motivation for sure. Keep it up. So you're reaching folks. Thanks, Nicole, for, for that comment. I couldn't agree more. Putting yourself through all the stuff you did to do the stories and do, do the work the way you do, you had some, some really cool freaking experiences with, with these guys. Uh, from little silly stuff, there's a story. I love this. When you're meeting with Carlos Condit, his wife and their son, uh, there's a funny moment. I won't do the whole setup because you got to read the, the passage. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty funny, shocking moment in a cute way. But the kid punches you in the balls. <laughs> Carlos Condit's kid. <laughs> Straight up, Straight up little, little Owen, right? Like little Owen. Yeah. You know, and now, that, and, and now, see, that's see how much time, like time has passed, and now they have another son. Look at and, that. Uh, look at that, good name. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's kind of, it's funny, man. Like, uh, me and Carlos, dude, we, uh, you know, and he's a strange animal. Hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, but that's how they did. He, like, walked up, punched you square in the, in the beanbag. <laughs> And I was like, and then, and then I felt back, like, I sit down, uh, you know, eating, and then we're eating, like, a rice bowl, and somehow some pepper got in there, and I, and they're like, you know, they're, they're, you know, native New Mexicans, and they're like, yeah, man, peppers are, you know, no big deal, and I'm out here, like, green chili is killing me, I'm, like, crying, and looking like a pussy, you know, <laughs> trying to hold up tough, but, uh, but, dude, you know one story that kind of pops in here, that, because the, um, the, the, the part... <laughs> The part that got extended in this story is, like, you find out that, okay, I go through this big thing, and I'm like, okay, cool, we come to a reckoning, like, all right, this, this is where this has to go, and then it's like, hey, you want to go out west one more, one more time, and you're, and you're probably reading it like, oh, shit, man, why would he go out again, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing, is I hit that I shouldn't have, because that turned mm. into the stupidest thing ever, mm. but my favorite story because anybody who's followed me over the past couple of years knows my car got, my car got stolen in Arizona. Um, so there's a part, though, when that happens. You know, like my car breaks down and I'm sitting there. And uh, the guy is like, hey, man, you know, I got I to tow your car. And, 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 uh, oh, and I'm like, okay, I don't have anywhere to stay. And he's like, well, there's a Denny's up there. <laughs> and I was like, any points in the distance, right? Like, no play on the title. Over yonder. In the, yeah. It, it, there's a whole, like, they're standing in, like, by a streetlight, and there's a whole lot of darkness. And then there's this Denny's off to the left and a marathon gas station to the right. And I'm like, all right, it's it's, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. It's snowing in Arizona, which is already terrible and, and strange. And it's New Year's Eve. So... I'm like, all right, I got my backpack, my computer. Uh, I left my luggage in the car, which is a huge mistake, as you get later oh. find out. Um, so I was like, cool, I didn't want to carry it all, whatever. So I'm going to walk to this Denny's. Well, as I have to walk to this darkness now, and you understand, I mean, like, as human beings, we're naturally, like, inclined to be afraid of the dark, right? Sure. Like our ancestors, cavemen, you know, <laughs> whatever out there could kill it. Well, in this case, you know, I'm a little, like, timid. And, I, and usually, if you like, if you stand... Little nature survival trick. If you stand in the darkness long enough, your eyes will adjust and you can kind of see everything. Well, after I'm kind of doing that and walking, 
I hear like often this like this is I hear this growling and I'm like the hell it's like is that that, that, sounds, is that a dog and I hear multiple growling I'm like oh shit that's dogs or like wolves or whatever or like mountain lions who knows so I go running now as I'm running towards this towards this marathon there's this girl out there pressure washing pressure washing the gas pumps and I see her kind of see me. And then I see her panicking and starting to shuffle back because whatever, it's not that I'm running at her, it's I'm running from something. <laughs> so she goes running in the gas station and locks the door on me. I come running up and the door's locked. I'm like, help. You know, like, open the door. And then this cop, this cop comes swinging in and I'm like, okay, I know I'm screwed because like I'm a stranger running, looking like I stole something. Like who runs? <laughs> it's like like I and I was running like flat out, you know. So uh, who runs like that if there's not if they didn't do something wrong? Cop pulls up, throws a spotlight on me. He's like, "You run for wild dogs?" I said, "I said yeah." He goes, "Where are they?" I said, "They're back there." Whips right around, blah blah. Back goes after these dogs. <laughs> this happened. So then I'm stuck in. I walk. She finally lets me in. And I'm like, I get, and she's like, yeah, you scared me. I said, yeah, I was scared too. And I, I go over to the, the Denny's because there's nowhere else to stay at uh, in this town. And then, uh, yeah, and then the cook comes up and he's like, hey, man, I, I, you know, I know a place. <laughs> and I was like, do, do, do I try, you know, like, this, 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 this is dangerous. This is ID channel stuff, you know? And uh, I said, cool. And he knew a spot, like like a little little like bed and breakfast type thing or little like uh like hotel type thing that uh, kind of off the beaten path stayed there he gave me a ride but here's the thing and, and i tell that story because the way it kind of ended is i don't think people in in their normal lives get really outside of anything mm. and, and to and to, and to have to rely on the, uh, on the on the kindness of strangers and uh to take comfort in other people is something that you learn out there on the road like you 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 have to, like, you just don't, and that's the thing, is like, okay, well, if you wanted a very manicured experience, okay, well, I'm going to go here, but I'm going to stay at the Wyndham, you right. know, and, right. and then I'm going to, you know, take this, and then I'm going to, you know, stay over here, and I'm going to go pool and spa. Like, nah, man, like, my heroes, guys like Jack Kerouac, you know, Hunter S. Thompson, William Burroughs, those types, you know, uh, they, they didn't find that comfort, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, I slept on couches, I slept in, you know, $10 you know, rental room motel shit, you know, like, <laughs> I, but at the same time, I, I saw this country, and I saw the best of it in there, you know, yeah. and I think, so I think you'll see in the book, you know, I kind of wax a little bit on, you know, because, uh, you know, I'm a flowery kind of writer sometimes, <laughs> you know, man, like, I do some, I do some kind of gritty stuff and honesty, but that nothing gets me more than Skyline, mm. you know, mm. and to describe, a, you know, a kind of, cotton candy gas fire skyline you know like i can see it you know i can still <laughs> see it now and, and that's what i tell my children i say hey look you know um you know you're with me for a short time and then the world gets you you know uh and it's a beautiful thing and you know i my job is to prepare you for what that world is but it's also to instill in you mm. the things that you can dream about that that the things that you can chase that there are no limitations that you you accept them either if you don't accept them they're not there um, but then I tell the kids, like, you know, you're not, I wasn't with you. I wanted to be home, but you know, if I'm, if my heart's not there, but if my heart's 2000 miles away, but if I can find happiness in seeing like that, 
that pink sky come up over San Diego or, you know, or uh, the desert. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Those are things that make it all worthwhile. Those are things that I don't feel like I, and, and that's kind of getting to leading up to flow combat. You know, I, I feel like, um, you know, we're growing in the right way, but we're growing because I'm, I'm not the same person I was in a lot of ways. I don't, I'm not looking to do the same thing I, I was looking to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, this book, um, you know, uh, so one thing, you know, plug, uh, <laughs> one, one, one thing, this book's the first in a series of three. Awesome. So, so it's a trilogy series. This is the first one. Um, the, uh, uh, yeah, and I do. I I haven't even started the second one or even concepted it out. But you know me, man. I don't do anything like that. I don't lay out outlines. Like Elias is a planner, folks. Like he plans. He plans. He's like, okay, look, I need this. And if you if you know this guy who, who, who's hosting the show, he doesn't. He doesn't. He, all he does is work. He but he but he does work that he believes in. Hmm. And uh, um, he plans things out. Oh, Bo, I, I'm more of a in the wind kind of cat. You know what I mean? But, but at the same time, like I said, you know, there's like the like the Jack Kerouacs mm. and the uh, Hunter Thompsons and the Burroughs of the World. But I'm also, you know, I grew up with Johnny Cash and you know uh, Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, those kind of outlaw country things. So, um, yeah, man, and that's what I said about fighting, about fighting. Mm. Really. I don't come from anything, and, and uh, I've had to scrap all the way to where I'm at. And you know, I have a I have a nice house, and I have I live in a, a, a awesome area, and the kids go to great schools. And I look at them like, how easy three or four different decisions mm. this doesn't happen. You mm-hmm. know, life's a strange thing. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is, and it's uh. It's a cool thing too, you know, it's when things go well, when you got a nice life put together, it's easy to never go back to to the other experiences, right? To never to never be alone again, to never hit the road again, to never stay at a I love this phrase you use in the book, you <laughs> to go to another murder motel, right? Like once you're <laughs> once you're a senior editor and you got a salary and you got a home and you don't need to, you know, you, you could, you could, you could, re, you could retire, right? And, and but, uh, but then you stop living as, as a writer, and you know, we will definitely have to, if if you'll allow us, have you when when the um, when the books actually get delivered and it hits stands and all that in October, we'll have to have you on again and talk more about some of these specific stories. But I loved you talking about these murder motels, so you had me beat for sure. I've stated a couple, in addition to just like sleeping in a car and. In like in in, uh, in in the Hollywood Hills because I couldn't make it to one, but I've been to some some colorful ones. And your your stories of these motels have uh, have have mine beat for sure. All I've gone in, I've gone in, and someone asked, you know, like or there's, there's asking if I uh, if I wanted videos to go with my room. I don't know what the hell that meant. I think it vaguely had to do with like some some really either great or really awful uh, or combination of, of pornography. Uh, but I've never woken up. Uh, clutching a thirty-eight caliber, like you'll read about in this, uh, in, in this, in this book too. So you guys got to pick it up. But uh, no, it's it's a hell of a thing to put yourself back in the situations, right? You keep yourself true to your craft, true to the experiences, even even when uh, even when life's going good. You know, to put yourself in in these spots is important. Oh, hey, I, I gotta I gotta tell you this. So anybody who picks up this book and they'll they'll see that. My wife, I, I'm convinced, you know, Maria and I have been together for 17 years, and uh, I'm convinced that, you know, she can't divorce me at this point. You know, the kids, the kids, the kids will never understand, right? The kids are like, ah, that's awesome. 
man, Dad's cool. And, uh, uh, you know, Dad's got tattoos and he works a cool job. So I, he can't go. He can't get rid of me. But if I died, if I died out on the road because I got murdered at a hotel, at a motel. Now, this be, now this be, this be clear. It's not a holiday. It's right. one of those travel motels where it's like outdoor entry yep. and it's like 30 bucks. So my wife is notorious for, I'll be like, I'll call her and be like, oh, baby, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to make it to Oklahoma City. You know, can you book something? She's like, yeah, I got you. And, and then she books me in Tulsa. And that's the thing is like, dude, I have like, I have spider sense for like murder stuff, right? Like I watch enough <laughs> true crime. You know, I can hear, I can hear, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Robert Stack from Unsolved Mysteries talking. Like he's narrating, he is narrating as I'm making decisions. Like, and then Dwayne, Dwayne shouldn't have perked and he made the dire mistake of purchasing that key. Because I'll tell you what, I've seen a lot of crazy things, but pulling up to that hotel and talking at like four, three in the morning and, and there's no cars in the parking lot, bro. It's empty. And the guy goes, this guy, like, this crazy little dude, like, skinny dude, all his, his hair's all goofy, and he's got, like, his eyes are jacked up. <laughs> and there, But the thing that I, and I think I put in the book, but there was a Highlights magazine <laughs> on, 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 the, on the counter, like, Boy Scouts Highlights from, like, 1985. And I'm like, did I walk into some kind of purgatory time rope? And the guy goes, he goes, hey, Mr. Finley, uh, after he got the thing done, he's like, uh, here, you're staying in room number 11. And I'm like, Where's where's eleven? He's like, oh, it's the last one over there. I'm like, nah, I don't want that one. I want. It. He's like, no, sir, you're staying in eleven. I'm like, bro, what, what, why, why, why eleven? Like, what's so important that I stay in room eleven? Because I, you know, I'm thinking I'm having flashbacks to that movie Vacancy with Luke, with, with Luke Owens, you know, and, and like, you know, people are gonna come in and try to murder me. So, so I was like, all right, cool, bro. You know, eleven it is. And so I packed that. I, I never travel. I never usually go across country by myself. But mm. when I since I was doing it that time, I took the pistol. Mm. And I was like, I remember moving all of the furniture against the door. I'm like, okay, well, if they're going to come in, I'm going to hear them. So I, pa- I, I loaded the gun. And I was like, man, I've never even loaded this thing before. I loaded the gun. I set it on top of the nightstand. And I slept above the blanket. Like, you know, I'm ready for anything, right? And, and then, dude, and like, Two hours later, I supposed to see some cars right in front of my door, like like revving the digit. And I'm like, oh, I got the gun. I got like the shaky, like uh, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane on uh, Duke's Hazard. I got the shaky. Uh. You know, I don't think I can shoot anybody. But but so here's the thing. You just said you're like, yeah, you're a senior editor now. And you have to do that, dude. I stayed in more murder motels since. <laughs> We're gonna full combat because she's trying to get me killed. That's all there's to <laughs> Divorce is no longer an option. She has to get creative. Uh, yeah, dude, she's smart. You know what I mean? She's, she's gonna outlive me by years, but but she's like, all right, well, you know, if the if if, if dad dies on the road, dad died doing what he loves, kid. That's right. You know. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna, we we can't top that, so we're going to leave it there. But Dwayne, uh, the book uh, book is in the cold distance. It's phenomenal. You got to go on Amazon, folks, and and get your uh, get your pre order on. Order one for yourself. Order one as a gift. You're going to want to you're going to want to give it to others once you've read it yourself. You're going to really enjoy it. It comes out. Uh, when can folks expect it in their in their in their hot little hands, Dwayne? When is it? When's the date? Uh, release in October or what? Release. Release on Halloween, so it's a Tuesday. Uh, it comes out hot and live. Uh, go to Amazon, get it. Um, the one thing I can say, and the one thing that the early reviews that are starting to come in and we're seeing are saying is, uh, 
it's not an MMA book. I mean, mm-hmm. it, there, there's MMA in there yeah. if, if you're a fight fan, but it's more of an experience book. So, like I said, you know, uh, knocking off HST one last time, buy the ticket, take the ride. Like if you if you know the road trip, you followed it originally, follow it again, and you'll see a whole different side of it. Um, I mean, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, a lot of tears, uh, a lot of uh, redemption, so to speak. So, um, yeah, pick it up. This has been great, man. It's funny talking to you like this. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. We'll have to we'll have to do it again soon, and uh, have to get ourselves over to to Indianapolis with you, or get you over here to Chicago too. Get some good eating on, man. But thanks so much for the for the time, Dwayne, and thanks so much for the book. It it really is a great one. I appreciate the advanced copy, and uh, we're gonna promote it as much as we can, my brother. All right, brother. You have a great day. You too, Dwayne. So that was Dwayne Finley, the senior editor over at FlowCombat.com, where uh, I, myself, am a, a staff writer. He has a new book, In the Cold Distance. It's available for, already for pre-order through Amazon. Uh, it comes out, it's released, mailed out, uh, Halloween, October 31st. You're going to love it. It's a really good one. I got a digital copy advanced about a week ago, just made my way through it at the end of it this morning. It's a lot of fun. Um, so... If, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. Let them know about the book. Um, if, you're, uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes or any other podcast and you, you dug the show, please give it a good, uh, a good rating and share it there as well. Subscribe as well. Uh, we will have Mike Dice back in studio. He's been away uh, traveling to Vegas. He's covering Mayweather versus McGregor this weekend in Las Vegas little boxing match going on over there. You could check out his coverage at uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, you could check out his coverage at fansighted.com. They've been doing a bunch of great stuff uh, there as well. Great previewing of that. Uh, we've been doing some fun stuff over at Flow Combat as well. We'll be covering the fight there as well. Uh, but he'll be back in studio next week. We'll have him hear everything that went on in Vegas uh, from Dice himself after his experiences there. We'll be able to talk fallout from that. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun turning our attention away from that for this episode a little bit. Uh, talking about In the Cold Distance. So pick it up at Amazon, In the Cold Distance. Author is Dwayne Finley. We appreciate you guys watching uh, the show today, Um, listening if you're listening later. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much.